Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Well, we are in Nehemiah chapter 6 today. As the walls of Jerusalem are being built, and uh, if you're following along with uh, the video there in the description, there is a, a sheet or a link that has the sermon outline there. If you have your phone here and you have the Bible app from Version, you can go to events and you can pull up the notes as well, or you can just watch on the screen and, and pull out your notebook and, and take notes. But uh, we are in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. And right here, we see that once the walls were completely rebuilt, they were only lacking the gates being hung. Nehemiah faced the possibility of threats, personal attacks, and actually physical harm. Because you see, evil will fight tooth and nail to keep you from accomplishing God's work. So you must depend on God for wisdom and keep focused on the work to avoid the traps and distractions that come along with this. There are things all over this world right now that are trying to seek your attention. They call it advertisement. (laughs) They call it social media. They call it clicks. They call it uh, whatever you want to call it. But everybody wants your time. Everybody wants your attention. And so we have a purpose as a church, but also you have a purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about that as we unpack this. But when people get desperate, when people get desperate, they will do whatever it takes to get their way. And we've seen in this in news in recent years with riots and people taking justice into their own hands, making up lies and falsely attacking innocent people. The news gets picked apart to match certain preconceived narratives. If you believe one way, you watch this news channel. If you believe the other way, you watch this news channel. And the problem is truth has been exchanged for agendas and attempts to indoctrinate those that listen to those news to think certain ways. So as we pick up our story in Nehemiah, you're going to see that those days are not just applying to us that this has been like this for many, many years, because in this passage, Nehemiah's enemies are desperate. The wall is almost completed, as I said a minute ago, and if the gates get hung, and if you remember, we took a tour of the walls of Jerusalem, there were many gates that had different purposes around Jerusalem. Once those big gates got hung, then then the, the project was over, and so they knew that they had to try as hard as they could to stop it. And the thing is, since they could not stop the work of the project, they shifted the attention away from the work of rebuilding the walls to they attacked Nehemiah personally. They made it personal. It became personal for them and Nehemiah. So you and I must remember that even when attacks get personal and nasty, God is still with us. And the fact that Sanballat and Tobiah related to person or, or kind of not related, but they their last-ditch effort was these personal attacks. Why is that? It's because they had nothing else left. They were desperate. And as we read this, you're going to see that it reads like, when I read this, there are times where I 
remembered back of what it was like in junior high and high school. Then at other times I remember like what's happened in churches and what I've heard has happened in other churches. It is very, it is a, it's an old ancient text, but it is very contemporary in its application today. So with all that said, let's just jump right in. Desperate people use desperate measures to attack the work of God. Desperate people take desperate measures to attack the work of God. Some of you say, preacher, I could give you a testimony about that. I'm sure a lot of us could because I'm telling you, if you're trying to do the work of the Lord, there are going to be people that are going to be coming against you every time. And it's one thing to critique the program. It's one thing to critique a church or a ministry. But when you start critiquing the people, that's when it hurts the most. Well, verses 1 through 4 of Nehemiah chapter 6. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall so that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized, check this out, he's smart, Nehemiah says, but I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. And this verse, in verse 3, if there was a, a verse that would be the, the stack pole or the, the main point or the rally cry of the book of Nehemiah, it would be Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, where Nehemiah said, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. In my layman's terms, I don't have time to mess with you, is what he's saying. I've got a job to do. He says, why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Because Nehemiah knew, A, if he went to meet them, that the work would stop, and B, he could be harmed. And it wasn't just one message. Look at what it says in verse 4. Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. Folks, these guys were trying a little too hard to get Nehemiah's attention, weren't they? Sambalit and his allies wanted to infuse chaos into Nehemiah's order. Even one of the most horrendous people in the world knew that uh, this person said, mental confusion, contradictions of feelings, indecisiveness, and panic. These are our weapons. That was a quote from Adolf Hitler. He knew that if he could get people confused, get people off the mission then that was our greatest weapon. And so when Satan uses evil people to attack, he does not play fair. He will attack churches. He will attack Bible studies. He will attack choirs. He will attack deacons and their families and friends. For the enemies of Nehemiah and the work of God, this was a now or never time. And if they didn't do something immediately to stop the work, the walls would soon be completed. Gone would be their influence. No longer would they be able to be the governors for the king. No longer would they have power. No longer would they have their office. And so, Nehemiah's enemies, they did something. They used fake friendship to try to lure Nehemiah. Again, it says in verse 2, they sent a message to Nehemiah. said, hey, come meet us at the plain of Ono. Or I would say, oh no. 
But here, here's, if you look at this, from the outside, this request seemed like a friendly request. I think after the fourth request of the same thing, he probably got the, the picture of this. But however, the timing of it and the repetition of it. I mean, think about it. They were his mortal enemies through the whole process. And now, as they are about ready to hang the last gates, they're, hey, bud, what's going on, man? Let's go out and hang out a little bit. Let's celebrate what you've been doing. They changed their stripes, didn't they? They changed their tune. The timing and the repetition made it questionable. So God gave Nehemiah wisdom to read through their ruse. And so the, the sermon this morning is called Stayed Focused on the Work of Rebuilding. I'm going to give you an equation. Oh, preacher, I don't want to do math. It's not math. But I'm telling you, if you remember this equation, it'll help you in everything that you do. If you need to remain focused, whether it is work, doing something at work, or whether you're a student trying to do your studies, or whether we are trying to find what God wants us to do as individuals and as a church, we see in Nehemiah, and we see it for ourselves, here it is, it's not magic, it's scripture, discernment and determination equal focus. Discernment and determination equal focus. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. This is the first time that we've talked about this today. And I'm telling you, I would write it down in your Bibles. I would make notes of it. I would, if you were looking for a life verse, I think this would be a great one. A life verse is just a verse that you keep with you as a memory verse. So when things happen, you can Remember this by saying, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. When somebody says, you need to do this, I don't have time for that. That's not my focus. I am determined, and I am trying to discern what God has for me. This is what Nehemiah is showing us. And then, so the invitation didn't work. The false invitation because they were going to try to get him away from Jerusalem, outside of the city walls, away from King Artaxerxes' men, and get him out in this plain of Ono so they could harm him. Nehemiah was not dumb. He was discerning. Second thing they said, well, if that didn't work, let's take it up a notch. Verses 5 through 9, we see that slander is an attempt to steal your focus. Slander. Name-calling. Gossip, social media, drama. We don't know anything about that, do we? I'll never forget. I've told you all before, when I was in youth ministry, this kid goes, I just don't understand why my life is so full of drama on Facebook. I said, it's real easy, dude. Log off of Facebook. Drama, drama, drama everywhere. Let's see how this plays out. The fifth time, so this is the fifth request. Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. Now, an open letter. An open letter. That's key. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and we're going to really dig into this. There is a rumor around surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me, first of all, who is Geshem? Geshem tells me that it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He has also reported that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem 
to proclaim about you, look, there is king and there is a king in Judah. This is a lie. It is an open letter. And what is it? It's insinuating is that Nehemiah is about ready to cause treason. That he is building these walls to go against the king. The very king that gave him the permission. The very king that gave him the time. The very king that gave him the supplies. The very king that gave him the men to come help. And so they are sending out this open letter so people can see that. Now here's the thing about an open letter. This would be, if you were trying to make it a modern day situation, Sanballat is trying to cancel Nehemiah. He's trying to cancel Nehemiah with a cancel culture. You see in verses 5, 17, and 19 that there wasn't only one letter, that there were many letters to stop the work of Nehemiah. And an open letter from a, from a royal governor would be both intimidating and insulting. Back then, if a letter was official they would have a wax seal and they would put the wax seal on it and only the person intended to read it would be able to break that seal, meaning that nobody has seen it, nobody has added to it, nobody has taken away from it. You break the seal, you read the letter. But this was an open letter, no seal. Why is that? They wanted people to read it. It was a smear job. It was a character assassination Sanballat's hope here was to undermine Nehemiah's credibility and authority. Because remember, what was Nehemiah's position? He was a cupbearer. He was basically like the chief of staff to our president. He was a very important man. So this letter is insinuating that Nehemiah is trying to start a ruse and commit treason against the king and the country. (laughs) And... Notice in verse 6 it says, There is a rumors around the surrounding nations. You want me to give you a better translation? You know, they say you're getting ready to do something. You ever heard they say? You say, who is they? Oh, they won't. I can't tell you that. Because normally they is that person and one other person. And I think that we see the they in this passage because it is Sanballat and then he gets his buddy Geshem to vouch for whatever he's trying to spin. He cites Geshem as a witness who claims Nehemiah is inciting treason. And so Sanballat's hope is that he writes this letter with an, and, and this is the way it works, folks. This happens in our news cycle. This happens in our social media. This happens in our gossip. I mean, prayer requests that we share with people. Am I meddling a little bit there? We put enough truth in it and combine it with a lie so that it's believable, but it's still not true. That's what Samblet was doing. He took the truth and he combined it with a lie so people would follow with hook, line, and sinker. Did they? We'll find out. Verse 8 and 9. Here we see the discernment. Nehemiah replied, There is no truth to any part of your story. You are making the, up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued with the work with even greater intimidation or even greater determination. 
Folks, what made the difference between these letters sticking and not sticking? It was Nehemiah and his integrity. It was Nehemiah being a man of his word. It was Nehemiah being a leader that not only started the work of the wall, but was working himself on the wall. He didn't have time to do all the stuff that they were claiming he was doing. And the people knew that. They could see right through it. Nehemiah was a leader of integrity, so no matter what the lies were, they were not believable. And so as a focused believer, we must know how to handle false accusations, vicious letters, unfounded press reports, and gossip. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if people are not talking about you, they will be talking about you. That's the one thing I've I've told you before, I'm sure, that my father-in-law, who was a pastor for many years, he said, James, if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to thicken your skin. I thought, what? Wow. And, and, and I thought, wow, that, that, that's a pretty, uh, pretty big statement. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, when I say that, I've, I probably hadn't learned that lesson because what you see is what you get with me, right? But over the years, people, and, and you know, doggone it, there are some people that just don't like me. And it used to tear me up. Used to lose sleep at night. Donna could tell you, oh, I don't know. Somehow along the way, God has given me discernment. And I don't have time to worry about those things when we are looking at what the Lord is calling us to do. I got news for you. If you're taking a stand at your work for Christ, If you're taking a stand in your family, if you're taking a a stand in your little phone circle or your social media feed, if you're taking a stand for Christ and not joining in with everything that everybody else is doing, you are setting a target on yourself. It's not if an attack will come, it'll be when. And when that comes, you can discern the fact that it is unfounded and you don't have time to deal with that and you keep on moving. It's not that you're not caring. It's not that you're not concerned but you don't have time to entertain that because every minute you are entertaining this junk, you are off mission of whatever God has called you to do, whether it is to raise your family, to be a light at your work, to help the church, to help friends, whatever it may be. As long as we are spending our time on these other little things that people are trying to use to entrap us, it it gives them credit. It's almost like... um, you know, what do they call them? Chiggers? You ever had a chigger? It's kind of like, I don't know what a chigger looks like, but it's like a bite. You know, you get a bite in the summer. How many of y'all ever had a chigger? You know what a chigger is? Yeah. What do they tell you? Rule number one. Don't scratch it. Oh my goodness, but it hits you so bad and you're like, no, nobody's looking. And you, and you do it real quick. And, and what you'll find out is that they're right. If you keep scratching it, it gets redder. It gets angrier. It gets bigger. Sometimes we need to quit scratching the chiggers in our life, if you know what I mean. Just look at that person and in your mind say, that's a chigger. Don't scratch it. Let me keep focused on what God has for me. And again, Warren Wiersbe says, if we take care of our character, we can trust to take care of our reputation. There will be attacks that will come against your reputation. But if you are a person of character... God takes care of that. I want to show you this formula again because it's important. Sandblitz's plan backfired because of this. Discernment plus determination 
equals focus. I may ask you next week, what's the formula for focus? Well, Patriots, discernment plus determination. Hey, you get a gold star. I'm telling you, it works. The third thing we see in verses 10 through 14, focus requires you to choose faith over fear. Focus requires you to choose faith over fear. And I'm preaching at myself on this one, folks. People pleasing 101. It says in verse 10, Later I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of Methabel, who was confined to his home. And he said, Let us meet inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. Boy, that's a pleasant visit. Come in, lock the doors, hide in the church. Ain't nobody going to go to a church and hurt you. Go to the church, lock the doors, and we'll just stay in here and we'll protect you. What did Nehemiah say? Again, discernment plus determination equals focus. If Nehemiah was not determined to get those walls built because God had told him to and he had a burden and a passion for his people, he wouldn't have been able to discern as well as he did. In verse 11 he says, But I replied, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God has not spoken to him, but that he had uttered his, this prophecy against me because, here it goes, Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was a hired gun. He was hired to neutralize Nehemiah, not with bloodshed, but by convincing him that he needed to hide out in the temple. So every minute that Nehemiah is in the temple hiding out for fear of his life, the wall is not getting built and the gates are not being hung. They were hoping to intimidate me, Nehemiah said, and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Bottom line, Samblet hired Shemaiah to convince Nehemiah to hide in the temple. Hide behind the priest. Hide behind the religion, which would make Nehemiah, in effect, cease all the work on the wall. And Nehemiah knew that that was not good advice. Matter of fact, it was the opposite of good advice. How do you know when someone comes to you, and I, I very rarely, if ever, unless God has given me a clear word, I will never tell you, God has told me this to tell you. Because that is a huge responsibility. What I will say is God's word says this. God's word says that. But here's the thing I want you to understand. And this is not, it's not even an evil thing. Sometimes when you're struggling with stuff, and I'm struggling with stuff, we'll go to our friends. And I think Job is a good example of when good friends give bad advice. If Nehemiah would have taken the bait here, he would have found out that the advice that he was giving went in direct contrast to what God had called him to do. Do you see it now? How do you know if God is calling you to do something? How do you know if God is speaking to you through somebody? They will never ask you to do something that is opposite of what God has called you to do. It's pretty good advice. Because again, determination and discernment equal focus. 
So Nehemiah leaves his enemies in God's hand. I love verse 14. He says, remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalit have done. And remember Noadiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. Nehemiah released, by doing this, he released the burden of his enemies by giving them to God. He's saying, look, God, look at this long litany, long list of people that have come against me and tried to intimidate me. You take care of them. I'm not dealing with them. i got work to do. What would happen if you and I would say, you know what, God, I'm tired of dealing with the drama. I'm tired of dealing with the fallout. I'm tired of worrying about what other people think. You handle them, and I'm going to do what God has called, what you have called me to do, God. That is what Nehemiah is doing. Nehemiah released the burden of his enemies by giving them to God. And God will take care of them way better than you will. Because, my friend, if you are still harboring things against people, if you're still worried about what people think, if you have got some bitterness or you've got drama that you can't let go of, you're letting them live in your life rent-free. They're not going around going, oh my goodness, they're thinking about us. I better go get it straight with them. No, they're not doing that. That's what Sambalit and Tobiah and all those people wanted. They wanted to consume Nehemiah's thoughts so they would get him off of his focus. So Nehemiah leaves his enemies in God's hands in verse 14. Have you done that with your enemies? Or do they still have a hold on you and your life? Then finally, verses 15 through 19, focus enabled Nehemiah to finish the work. Focus enabled Nehemiah to finish the work. Again, what was that formula? Discernment plus Determination equals focus. Yeah. Preacher, you're not supposed to ask us during the sermon. You're supposed to preach. No? Participation. Somebody, I know one of y'all, about a, a month from now, you say, hey, preacher, what's that, what's that <laughs> equation for focus? I'm going to go, ugh. No, no, I promise you, this, I'm committing this to memory because it's good. It's good advice. Whether you be a, a preacher or whether you be a businessman, a scientist, or a stay-at-home mother or a grandmother or, wh- or whatever you're doing, it's great advice. Here we go, verse 15. So on October 2nd, wow, what's today? <laughs> October 2nd. Well, we couldn't have a parking lot thing outside a drive-in church, but we can commemorate the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. On October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. It was obvious it was not a government contract. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 50 days. Nowadays, it takes you 50 days just to get in contact with somebody who think about doing the work. And remember, the people building these walls, they were not skilled They were homebodies. They were families. They were children. They were grandmothers and grandfathers. They didn't have a whole lot of skill. But God blessed them. And Nehemiah used them. So 50 days. 50 days Nehemiah had to work and put up with all that other junk with people that were trying to stop him. Verse 16. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, (laughs) 
They were frightened and humiliated. Ha ha! Take your ball and go home, boys. They were frightened and humiliated. They realized, and here it is, here's the crux, here's the aha moment. They realized his work had been done with the help of God. If we have any hope of building something at Homeland Park Baptist Church, if you have any hope of building something in your family and in your life, and in your career, if we have any hope of building something bigger than is ourselves, it has to be with God. So that way, what uh, Samblet and Tobiah and all these other jokers found out was that they weren't fighting Nehemiah, they were fighting God. And that's when they realized this way the white flag. First, well, before I say that, can you imagine the excitement as the last bolt was tightened and the last gate was hung? Fifty days. Woo! The wall is built. We are no longer we are no longer a target for our enemies. We now have our walls back. We now have our gates back. We now have our worship back. Our people have returned. We are rebuilding. We are no longer enslaved to these jokers that have been trying to take advantage of us for years. This is the third time that they've tried to rebuild these walls, and it finally took because Nehemiah and God made it happen. They were celebrating. Through God, they did the impossible. And we can do the impossible through God. Nehemiah's enemies realized that they were opposing God, not Nehemiah. And the criticism didn't stop at the completion of the walls. You would think that they would take their ball and go home, but they didn't. They kept on and kept on because that's in their nature. That's why whenever we have whatever election we're going to have in November, all this churning and backbiting and drama and Oh, it's still going to continue. It's going to continue on up to the next presidential election. And then we're going to have it again. And again, it's always going to perpetuate. It gets bigger. It gets nastier. It doesn't go away because people think that they are fighting for their own little agendas, but they are fighting against God when they are coming against people that are trying to do his work. We see in verse 17, during those 52 days, Many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah, for many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because of his father-in-law, Shechaniah, son of Arah, and his son Jehohanan was married to the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Yeah, I know those words are, are hard to say. But basically what you see here is that there was some nepotism going on between family members. Verse 19, they kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said, and Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. He kept sending letters. I would think at some point, Nehemiah, just when he started getting those letters, they just went right into the trash. Why? Discernment plus determination equals focus. Let me ask you this as we end up our time together today. 
with a little bit of application. Have you been called to a great work? Well, preacher, I never thought about that. I'm just here to attend church. Have you been called to a great work? Whether you have been following the Lord for decades, or you're new to your faith, or you're just still trying to figure what that is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have been called to a great work. If nothing else, the great commission of go and make disciples of all men and women in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples and baptize them. Accept the responsibility that God has given you to lead them. Because again, discernment plus determination equals focus. And then when things try to get your focus, and things try to get you off of being the leader you need to be for your family, men. When it gets you off of the type of father or mother you have to be for your children, or the type of grandmother, grandfather you have to be for your children, the type of employee you need to be for your employer, or the type of church member you want to be. When all of those things come to you, are you going to remember that discernment plus determination equals focus? Are you able to say, when these distractions come by, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't? That's what Nehemiah did. Again, chapter 6, verse 3. Let me give you just a little bit of real life here. When you go home, look into the eyes of your family and say, I am engaged in a great work. Do you mean it? Do you see your family men as a work that God has given you to work? Women, do you see your family Husband and wife, do you see your marriages as a great work? Or have you been sidetracked and lost focus because you lost discernment? You lost determination. Maybe some of you that are older, you still there's things that you'd like to say to your family members, there's things that you would like to do, things you'd like to be a part of, but you just kind of have said, Well, you know, I'm old and I'm just not gonna worry about it anymore. Do you lack determination? Do you lack discernment? Is that why there is no focus? Here's the thing. We, Don and I were talking this morning. I just thought about the, the, uh, the saying, you know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, right? I mean, your family is your family. But here's the thing. God could have chosen anyone to raise your children, but he chose you. God could have chosen anyone to raise your children, but he chose you. God could have chosen anybody to raise me, but God in his divine sovereignty, because my birth mother and father couldn't do it, that Wayne and Connie Strickland were up to bat. And I wouldn't take anything for that. These children, these grandchildren, these children, even if you don't have children, these that are associated with these children that are going to children's church and our adults are spending one, two Sundays out of the month back there with children instead of being out here because they know that they are involved in a great work and they don't have time to do anything else. 
Make this personal for your family, men. Make this personal for your family, women. This is not a game. You are in church today because the divine Holy Spirit drew you here. Whether you are a member of Homeland Park Baptist Church or you are a visitor here, God has called you here for a purpose. And my question is, what is it? What is the great work God has called you to? Obviously, we've all been called to the Great Commission. But what is your great work and how will you respond when people oppose you? What will happen if we got our face on our face and cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, use me to bring glory to your name? Or if we got a clear focus from God about what he prepared us to do and then we actually did it? So as we... We close out, stay focused on the work of rebuilding. Stay focused on the work of rebuilding. And to, to kind of give you a last illustration of that, I, I think the best place to go is Jesus. Amen? Matthew 27, verses 41 through 42. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also, they mocked Jesus. They said, while he's on the cross, he said, he saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down off the cross right now. And I'm sure Jesus said in that moment, I could, but I can't. Because I have got a great work to do. I have got to die so that those who believe in me will have eternal life. He stayed focused. He stayed determined. He had discernment. Even when people were mocking him, he stayed on that cross until he gave up his life for you and for me to have forgiveness of our sins. There might be times where God has called you to do something that others may not understand. But if God is calling you to it, He's going to give you a burden and a vision for it. So please, church, follow Nehemiah's example and stay focused on God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, our invitation today is just simply this, Lord. Is that if there is somebody here that is in the service or somebody watching by way of our Facebook page, Lord, if there's somebody that you have been dealing with and, and they realize that, that they have lost focus, Lord, they have lost discernment, they have lost determination. We can find that at the cross, Lord. The ultimate picture of discernment and determination equals focus. May we remember why we do what we do. We don't do this because it's what we've done for years. We do this because Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we could be forgiven and we should tell others about that. Let us learn from Nehemiah to stay laser focused on what you've got us to do as we rebuild the walls, Lord, and do the great work that you've called us to do, Lord. As people are considering what to do, Lord, in our church. As people are considering things like the place in ministry assessment. And these things that we're talking about and these things that we're doing. May you work on their lives. The invitation is not some big come forward and say a prayer and everything's going to be okay. The invitation is this. Look, this is where you're working, God. Join in. Put in the effort. Be determined. 
Use some discernment and find the focus that God has for you and your life. Maybe you want to come forward today and just accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe you want to come forward and just confess that you have lost focus and you want to return to Him. Maybe you just, it's okay to come to these prayer, this, the edge of the stage and pray, Lord, as a, as a prayer bench. Or just pray where you're at. But this invitation is a time for you to respond and get your focus back.